0: Thanks and welcome to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. Linda is away this week. Later, though, we'll be joined by Ashley Castleman, who is Communications Manager with BBB, serving Western Ontario. And she's going to bring us some tips on the online toys that your children play with and what you need to watch for. Well, tax season is upon us. Filing tax returns is an annual ritual that is part of everyone's life. And this morning we're joined by Ann Fink, who is the office manager of CNV Income Tax Services, to walk us through some of the things that we'll need to do between now and deadline time. Welcome to the program, Ann.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Jim.
0: So deadline time. When when is the deadline?
1: <coughs> for most individuals, their returns are due April thirtieth. For some individuals and their spouses, if they do happen to be considered self-employed with a small business, they actually get an extension until June 15th.
0: Okay, and that hasn't changed for some time. No, it has not. So so is it too early to start filing or thinking about filing now?
1: My busy office certainly says no. We have seen (laughs) quite a number of people already filing, and if you can file early, it's not a bad idea.
0: What are the impediments to being able to do it now?
1: not having all of your information. Um, a lot of slips aren't due out until the end of February. And in the case of some investment slips, they're actually not due out until mid-March. So if you don't have everything, then you could be missing some vital information to go on your tax return and could potentially expose yourself to penalties for missing that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. And is there such a thing as a simple return? Uh, uh, or is Albert Einstein's observation that the hardest thing in the world to understand is income tax? Is, is it valid?
1: I wouldn't necessarily say that the hardest thing in the world is income taxes, um, but I do like to say that everybody has their niche in life, and taxes is one of ours over at CNV. We do tend to find, though, that there is straightforward tax returns. I wouldn't call them simple, as every return has its own unique aspects to it.
0: So Einstein had somebody help him. He was a pretty bright guy, um, so that's a clue that many of us do need help. So if we're looking for help, Ann, what are, what are some of the things we should look for in a service And what will be expected of us?
1: We often recommend when you're looking for a new tax preparer or tax company that you look for somebody who has experience. You can file and adjust up to 10 years worth of tax returns, So you really do want to make sure you're dealing with somebody who is current on 10 years worth of tax law. We often recommend looking for accreditation with businesses, particularly something like the BBB accreditation. So you know that they are a legitimate and valid business that will be there to assist you. Um, we also tend to recommend looking for someone who may be open all year round, as the government has a lot of review programs over the summer. So if you can't contact your tax person outside of tax time, that can leave you hanging.
0: And what will be expected of us if we engage somebody like C&V uh, Tax Services?
1: We ask that you bring us everything you need for your tax return. Um, At the end of the day we are a self-assessing tax system in Canada which means that if you don't tell people or if you don't put it on your tax return we're not going to know about it and if the government finds out you get in trouble. So we want to make sure you do bring in all of your slips and make sure that you're open and honest with your tax person. So at the end of the day you can only uh, include information that we're told and what we know about so if we end up missing something it may be because of a lack of information.
0: I notice on your website uh, that there are some checklists there uh, that's a very useful thing for people to have and um, so they know what it is that they need to bring and don't hold anything back right uh, absolutely we
1: uh, do believe that as you mentioned taxes can be quite complicated and we want to make it as simple as possible for you to get us the information so at cnv we actually created these worksheets and checklists to help you know what to bring in
0: Yeah. You know, now everybody wants to pay their fair share of tax uh It's what finances all of the things that we expect from our governments and from the services. But do some people pay more than they need to because they just aren't aware of deductions that they can make or or things in the tax?
1: That certainly could happen, which is again why I highly recommend that you do work with a knowledge professional in the income tax industry who does have that 10 years worth of experience so that they can make sure that they are looking at absolutely everything that could possibly happen and that way they can get clues based on what you do tell to them or what you do provide to them to make sure you don't miss on anything.
0: So from the information they provide, you may ask some questions that would lead to whether or not there are some absolutely, ways. The
1: owner of our company, Crystal, actually describes the income tax return as a roadmap, and sometimes there's some twists and turns that you're not expecting. So what you provide to us helps us to guide through your roadmap.
0: Now, we mentioned that the date hadn't changed uh, for some time, April 30th. But have things changed within the Income Tax Act over that period of time, absolutely. Are
1: there, every year? there has yet to be a year. I've been doing taxes for 15 years, and there's yet to be a year where there hasn't been multiple changes. Um, and the changes can be quite complicated each and every year. Even in how you file your tax return, at one point in time we didn't use computers, and now we do. Um, how you're able to submit adjustments has changed quite drastically. How even you get slips from the government, you can uh, change quite drastically.
0: Well, that the internet you mentioned that, and it's changed so much. Of what we do in life, uh, can everybody e-file, or can you accommodate that? Or?
1: There's a very small set of Canadians not eligible for e-file. The majority certainly are, and with the government, that's how the government wants to see those returns filed: is through the electronic means. It's faster, it's more secure, and it ensures that the return is actually makes it to Revenue Canada without possibly getting left on someone's desk. Uh, but there is a small subset of people who are not eligible due to some circumstances in their personal situations. Mm-hmm.
0: If we work with a company like CNV Income Tax Services, do we need to be sitting there with you to go through the process? Um, do you take the information and prepare the return? How, do, how does that work?
1: We operate on a drop off basis. So you come on in and see one of our customer service reps who's going to take in your information and ask you a slew of questions to make sure we have absolutely everything that's done. After that, you get to go home, put your feet up on the kitchen table, relax. And uh, come back 24 hours later where we're going to review the return with you line by line, explain all the results, and answer any questions you have.
0: So we do get that knowledge of everything that's been submitted. Absolutely.
1: And in that 24-hour period, we're going to have our team of professionals go through the return. So you're getting the experience of at least five individuals looking over all of your information, looking again for those twists and turns, those potential deductions you may have forgotten about.
0: And that's something you want to look for then in a firm that they do that sort of thing.
1: Absolutely. At the end of the day, we're all human and people can make mistakes. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, we want to make sure that there's someone else there to catch it, which is why we employ our uh, five-person minimum uh, method when we prepare the returns.
0: Our guest is Anne Fink, who is Office Manager at CNV Income Tax Services. And when we come back after the break, we're going to talk business income tax. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. Linda Smith is away this week, and this morning we're talking taxes, and our guest is Ann Fink, who is the office manager of C and V Income Tax Services. Welcome again, Well, thanks, Anne. Jim. Well, we were talking about personal income taxes. Does your firm handle tax returns for businesses as well?
1: Absolutely. We deal with anything to do with the personal aspect of a return, which includes your small, unincorporated businesses.
0: One of the phrases that we hear a lot of when it comes to business and tax is, it's okay, we can write it off. Uh, When a business is choosing a firm like yours to prepare their tax return, is that one of the things you talk about? Are some firms more aggressive than others when it comes to declaring business expenses? Or?
1: Unfortunately, yes. Um, that is a very common thing that we do here. We can just write it off. And a lot of places will look at what they deem to be minimal audit risk. Uh, in our office, we truly believe in following the letter of the Income Tax Act, which means that we're only going to let you write off what you're actually allowed to because the penalties for writing something off that you're not supposed to have can be
0: pretty steep. What, what is the rule of thumb then? or what you can write off.
1: Anything that was actually used for your business. So if you are using a portion of your home, you should be looking at the space that you're using the home for, as well as how long you're using that space. If you use it, if it's a desk in your living room and the kids also do the homework there, then obviously you can't write off that entire space. you got to prorate it down for the time of use as well as the actual space used.
0: And you go over that with, uh, them. now you used a phrase there about uh, the potential risk. So I take it that there are some times when those, uh, you take the risk and write it off anyway and nothing happens until what?
1: Until the government decides to take a look, they're allowed to look at your return anytime uh, over the three years after you file the tax return. And if they find anything that is just slightly askew, they can go back an additional three years and they can change anything on those returns if you don't have the supporting documentation to back up the claim, whether it's the receipts or your logbooks or anything that you've put on that tax term, whether it's an income slip, you'd need to have absolutely everything for the, all of those
0: years. So when the tax returns are filed, obviously, you've just mentioned somebody has to review that and decide that they're going to come and have a look at things. You file with the Canada Revenue Agency. Is each return reviewed by an agent at the tax office or – are they processed by a computer? What what happens at the other end, do you know?
1: There's a couple of different things that can happen depending on how you filed your tax return. With an e-filed return, it is done by a computer that will verify that all the numbers make sense in the return, the formulas will match up, and that the math of the return itself makes sense. But there are certain things that the computer program is set to look for, and it'll flag it for what is called a pre-assessment review, meaning the government will want to see that supporting documentation before you actually get to see your tax return from the government. They'll send out a letter asking you to provide the information. If you can't provide it, they deny it. There's a second review that happens after taxes are actually filed, called a post-assessment review. Those tend to happen over the summer into the fall, where they say, "Okay, we actually gave you the money, and now we want to make sure you were allowed to have it in the first place," and they request the documentation at that point.
0: Mm. Now, you you mentioned that they're they're looking at things and that uh, they may or may not review. And we talked about um, the, the difference with computers. And are there more people now, is there an algorithm out there that wasn't available before computers that might signal more uh, uh, assessments?
1: We found that the number of assessments hasn't really changed from year to year to year. The government will often do, um, or they'll start up with a task force that is set to review specific things. And we'll usually get a notification that over the next five years, this is going to be a target. Um, Back in 2012, we were actually advised that the government will be reviewing home office expenses and automobile expenses claimed by people on their income tax returns. And that review, that task force is supposed to finish in 2018. So we've got a little bit more going on with that. Um, But in terms of the government actually telling us what they're going to look for, yeah, they don't tell us that. I wish they did.
0: Okay, when the CRA does an audit of your return, how is that different from the review then?
1: So with a review, they send you a letter, you mail everything off, they get back to you usually two to three months later saying it's all good or this is what we didn't like. With an audit, you usually get a 20-page questionnaire that you start off by answering, and then you actually get an agent showing up at your door, sometimes with little to no notice, and they actually ask to see very specific things, and you're given a very short time frame to get everything together. It can be even as... um, specific as them going into your home and assessing the value of your home and the items in your home and doing what they call a lifestyle assessment if they feel that you've been under reporting cash sales
0: Hmm. and they in terms of their uh, authority it's pretty final isn't it
1: not necessarily no um, you can certainly appeal it there's a whole appeals process and a notice of objection process where you can object but you do need again to have that supporting documentation for why you object. Um, if you can't provide reasons why you disagree with them, then unfortunately, if you can't provide the documentation, then unfortunately, you're stuck with their decision because that's the way our self-assessing tax system works.
0: All right, Anne, in your opinion, what what is the most important thing to consider when a small business then is choosing a tax service like yours?
1: Experience and knowledge. Um, certainly, it comes down to that as the tax laws change so often. If they're not accustomed to dealing with small business income tax returns. And they try to put everything on all in one line as the other expense that can be causing you uh, red flags with Revenue Canada resulting in the government deciding to review you when necessarily if it had been filed properly, that wouldn't have happened in the first place.
0: And do you wait until now to engage a company like yours or do you provide service all year round?
1: Our office is open all year round so that we can provide assistance whenever a person may have questions, whenever they need that assistance.
0: And with a small business, do you help them set up uh, books so that it's easier for you to to then apply that information?
1: We absolutely do offer consultations during the off-season. Tax season is a little bit on the busy side. But during off-season, we certainly uh, offer consultation basis to assist people getting set up. We also offer worksheets for people who are pretty self-sufficient and just want to make sure they're doing things right.
0: And thanks very much for sharing some time and information with us here this morning on Ask BBB. Well,
1: thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here.
0: Our guest has been Ann Fink, who is office manager at CNV Income Tax Services, an accredited business with the BBB serving Western Ontario with an A+ rating. And we'll be back in just a couple of minutes with Ashley Casselman, communications manager with BBB serving Western Ontario and things to watch out for with the toys your children play with. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. Linda Smith is away today, and we are joined now by Ashley Castleman, who is the communications manager at BBB Serving Western Ontario. Good morning and welcome to the program on this side of the mic, Ashley. Good morning. Well, Ashley, toys that children have are now not just uh, stuffed with cotton batten. Some of them have electronic devices and are hooked up to the Internet. And parents might not be aware of all the information that's being collected by these toys about their children and about their home. Correct. Uh, we, we want to uh, learn a little bit more about that. How common is it?
2: Uh, well, toys that are connected to the Internet are becoming more and more common, and it's not a bad thing. Um, in fact, uh, these toys can be highly educational and fun as long as uh, the parents are well-informed uh, and choose wisely. Um, But if you choose the wrong toy, there could be consequences. Um, So you just have to follow these uh, tips that we're going to talk about today, and that way it'll help you choose toys uh, that are connected to the Internet.
0: So what's the first thing that you want to do If you get one of these toys, is there information with them that will give us some clues?
2: Well, before you even uh, purchase the toy, there's uh, things you should do. Um, As I always say, do your research. Uh, When considering an Internet-connected device, uh, research the product before you hit the stores. Uh, Most of the information you you need won't be found on the box. Uh, so. First, go online, uh, do an internet search for the product, and read online reviews. Uh, Check the company's uh, business profile on bbb.org. A simple search may uncover um, a lot of security issues that you might want to avoid when purchasing um, one of the products.
0: Now, privacy laws are in place uh, everywhere. Does that protect us in any way?
2: Um, well, privacy laws are different country to country, um, but with an internet search, you can find um, privacy laws in Canada. Um, toy companies must uh, post privacy policies for the most part uh, that describe how the personal information will be collected uh, from children and how it's handled. Uh, the policy should not only uh, describe the toys' data collection practices, but also the practices of other companies they're working with and who uh, may also be receiving personal information through the device as well.
0: Now, if um, you don't see a privacy policy, should you get in touch with the company?
2: Yes, definitely. Um, That's one of the things you should look on the company's website is for privacy policy. I would say the majority of companies do have it. um, But it's one thing to to see it. But you're also going to want to read it and understand it. Um, They can be a little bit bit lengthy, but they're really good to understand because you want to know what's happening with your privacy that is being collected.
0: Now, there's an opportunity here with the, the toy, of course, which mm-hmm. is going to be useful in teaching children, but there's there's some sidebar teachable <laughs> moments here, I think.
2: Yes. Um, so when you're taking a look at the privacy policy, uh, some, so some good things to look for is who's collecting the personal information. Is it just the company? Are they selling that information? Um, so that's one of the things you're going to want to look for. Another is what information the device collects and how to use it. Um, things like uh, Google Home, uh, smart TVs, they all collect a little bit of information. So you're going to want to know what they're collecting. Um, Also ask how the personal information is stored. Is it on the company's uh, data servers? Are they using a third party to store it? Uh, Those are things that you want to know. And who has access to the data as well? It's one thing to know that the company secures it, but if they're selling it to another company or using a third party, um, that's something that's very um,
0: concerning. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're connected to the Internet, um, passwords and all the rest, there are some default settings mm-hmm. with the, most of the things that we're in. We're familiar with that with uh, some of the social networks. Yes. And if you don't go in and, and set some of those privacy things, is that true with some of these toys as well that you need to seek that out?
2: Yeah, so make sure it's going to use a secure connection. Um, only connect toys over secure uh, password-protected Wi-Fis. Um, so make sure when you're setting up that, make sure your uh, inter- home internet has a Wi-Fi password that's secure. Uh, avoid using those public connections, uh, which may easily allow unwanted access to toys um, if there's any security flaws.
0: Mm-hmm. And then if there are privacy settings, you want to get at those.
2: Yes, definitely. And always make sure um, the security um, device is uh up to date. So if there's any updates, do them right away because they're usually um, correcting any security flaws from uh, past
0: updates. Should you be around when the child's using the toy?
2: Um, yeah, you should always monitor it. Um, have your children use their toys in family areas of the home uh, so you can closely monitor their usage. Uh, review any video or audio that's being recorded. Um, that a little monitoring will help um, so you know what's being uh, recorded. Um, don't be out- w- outwitted by your child, basically. Um, <laughs> so kids are very smart with technology, uh, but it can also be dangerous for them, especially for young children. Um, so engage with your children. Um, be aware who they're communicating with, what content's being shared. Um, so just engage with them and monitor that uh, device. Yeah.
0: Um some of the devices we know uh, if they're left on still continue mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to collect information should that be something you're aware of
2: yeah so if if your kid's not using the um toy and it's connected to the internet uh just turn it off that way you, you can be sec- secure that they're not going to be collecting information while it's not being used um it sounds a little silly but it's it's best to t- turn that uh device off if you if you're not going to use it
0: and can you find out more uh, about this by just exploring the internet? And... Of
2: course. Everything's online. Um, if you're not quite sure how to do something, um, there's probably YouTube videos out there. Um, Google it. There's always a lot of how-to um, web pages. Um, so you can just Google how to turn off um, iPhone purchases, how to set parental controls, uh, and then you'll be able to learn very quickly of uh, what to do to make sure those things are secure.
0: Some of these games uh, have incentives to, to buy so you can do more. Um, are some of those built into the children's games as well?
2: Yeah, a lot of um, these are built in. Um, so you want to talk to your children about appropriate online spending. Um, we've all seen those news articles where a child racks up a $5,000 bill <laughs> on a credit card because they are playing a game and they're not realizing it's real money that they're using. Um, So have that conversation with your kid just to make sure that they understand that.
0: Well, we hope that everybody has a second look at the toys that they buy (laughs) for their children. Ashley, thanks for this. You're welcome. Linda Smith, CEO of Better Business Bureau serving Western Ontario, will join us next week. And that's Ask BBB for this week. I'm Jim Swan. Remember, Ask BBB and start with trust.